Don't, don't start using Machin like a fucking Tupac hologram and deciding what he's gonna do around here in 2020. Yeah. Horrified at the cloud. Machin would, <laughs> Machin would respect pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like looking up the AE pronunciation of uh, his name, and I immediately was suggested uh, Elon Musk and Grimes' baby's first name. Oh, yeah. What is Which, it? Was it just like, troll? I mean, they tr they changed it to like just a human name, but like. Oh, did they? Oh, I didn't even know that. It was like X A E connected numbers. <laughs> that's that's pretty weak. That's pretty weak sauce to act to like change it after. So you got a bunch of you know. Yeah, like, they capitulated completely to haters. Weak, weak, weak. Did and they... I and here I was thinking they were strong. <laughs> <laughs> They, they're gonna have to be strong to survive on the Martian environment. It's okay. They've got the they're fucking. Nearly, they're the first people to populate the planet. They've got the low res warthog vehicle. They can drive around. Wait, the, uh, what I'm reading on on Google is Grimes and Elon Musk have decided to change their name, other baby's son's name, from X A E A twelve to X A E A X I I. So I don't There's know. No, no. <laughs> that well i if that's true and i don't even care to confirm uh cooler good mm -hmm. for them they changed the 12 to roman numerals for okay 12. that was about it got you I, it's, it's gonna be ha it's gonna be so awesome to have like the, the like another sort of like roman empire period but they just live on like one like a a big like moving city yeah, like like a flotilla, like they're all planning on doing, or like yeah. they like they get New Zealand to like raise out of the water and and drive it around like a boat. <laughs> uh, he, hello? He, puts a, he puts a giant Tesla engine in, in the heart. <laughs> uh, hello and welcome to Spine Crackers. I Welcome. think is the the official name. And today it's, I made a Twitter header with it on it, so it's official. And so it's done. Uh, and today, in honor of, and this is probably coming out after the fact, but we're in October. We're going spooky, and we're reading the uh, the Great God Pan and other horror stories by author Arthur Machen. Is how we've the consensus on how to say his name. Uh, but specifically, we're doing uh, the Great God Pan and uh, another story called The White People. So we're gonna do two short stories today. And that's about as much intro as I want to do. Fantastic, yeah. Um, so what, should we, should we start with uh, GGP? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the, the one that apparently like was, you know, his, the reason why it starts off the title of the right. collection, uh, He's one of these guys that caused a scandal. So I did a little story. bit of a little bit of research on this, but not much. Do you know like what the what the what the tea was? Just too too spicy and namely perverse and sexual. Yes, for... it, was, it was in the era where a uh, woman's ankle was considered like <laughs> you, you can't write that in a in a novel. Well, I always think of like you know how like there was like riots after like the Firebird Suite or whatever by Stravinsky. Yes. It, it's so cool to think about that kind of shit, like 
like not just not even just upsetting people but like kind of driving them insane yeah <laughs> where they would commit physical vandalism and violence to the streets yeah. and, like, and like demand the artists be put to death and all this kind of stuff like the stakes the stakes were kind of excitingly high yeah for, uh, any sort of differentiation from the path <laughs> it's like how repressed does your shit have to be that like a particularly like like upbeat enlivening like musical piece like makes you lose your actual mind well the thing is like the problem was like they'd be like one dissonant note would play that wasn't like comporting to some like religiously based notion of like harmony and they'd yeah. be like He's a fucking devil satan <laughs> you should be killed still though i mean a riot reacting to, or you know reacting to like by having a riot to a literary work is kind of like wholesome in a way well okay yeah, to be even fair, though they're just like repressed people it's also yeah. like oh that i wish that happened now i i think his shit was just uh like banned but i mean in 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 sort of complete i don't know parody to our times like it's just it made him more it made him more popular everyone right. heard everyone was like Oh, I can't. I'm not allowed to read it, so they read it. I mean, that's yeah. Are you are you saying are you saying Machin is uncancelable? <laughs> <laughs> well, I forget who said it, but he's now canceled by God, as in he's dead. Can't <laughs> cancel. Can't cancel the mock. Pretty much, yeah. He hit Mach five in this one, and really just. <laughs> So he's sort of seen as like a kind of like a forerunner to like weird fiction, I guess, right? Like, yeah, he was of, born before H.P. Lovecraft, which I didn't yeah. know until I looked him up afterwards. But yeah, he's cited as a major influence by H.P. Lovecraft yeah, himself. Lovecraft like loved him. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I think yeah. Lovecraft wrote like an essay on him, or a couple as, or like a, a a couple essays. Yeah, I forget the title, but he wrote. He basically like wrote an essay about cosmic horror and like his approach to uh, the then burgeoning kind of genre by being like mock mocking is like the dude. He's like the guy I read that like got me to go in this direction. I think he, I, I think I read something too that basically said that uh, Lovecraft thought the great God pan was like, should be held as like really high American art. Basically he like loved Well, it. he's British. I mean, well, Mocking's yeah, Welsh. Brit yeah, yeah. but yeah. or just like it should be up there with like the great gatsby it's <laughs> <laughs> the great gatsby the great gatspan <laughs> i mean it's cool because like it, th like they talk about in the uh forward or whatever uh about how he was riding on the crest of the scandal he was asked to publish alongside hg wells mm-hmm uh who is publishing the time machine uh so it's kind it's it's a cool kind of like turn of the century just before there was any genre right like does like differentiation <laughs> which is which is like a weird thing to think about because you know if there's anything that's defined it's genre conventions now yeah and like you know how to comport to them so it's just weird to think of like people kind of like not knowing how to grapple with what any of this stuff was. Yes. Yeah. Literary genres these days are, are so, so like subdivided and and um, uh, parochial that it's like, 
it's hard. It really is hard to think about like someone just being like, oh yeah, here's a story. And here's another story that we would today be like, have no business being around <laughs> like that, nothing to do with each other. And they're like, yeah, I'll just put them together. Just two stories about events occurring. I love and- stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about things. Um, so, so yeah, let's, let's get into it. Um, so the, the big picture in terms of the structure is like, it, it's almost pieced, the, the story is almost pieced together from various perspectives and uh, like like physical items, journals and, and medical papers and... Yeah. Um, so you kind of have to like piece it together. It, it, it's not, I guess it is linear in a sense, but it, in, in the sense that, that, that it starts at one point and ends at a later point, but... Um, I- well, I mean, I, in full confession, like I, I've not really read like any Lovecraft. Mm-mm. I've he read some, very little. He was someone I was I was deeply pressured to read as like a fan of things like around around him. Uh, but yeah, for whatever reason, like I never did. But I do know that like, again, as a because he like was a huge fan and borrowed from this dude. I I think. Well, I don't know. When did Bram Stoker's Dracula come out? Although they, he was just doing spooky epistolary novel, like yeah, right. I want to say before this. I feel like that was. Um, let me see. But in order to like ground a story into a believable setting to make it scarier, like eighteen ninety seven, so similar time frame. So he was. Oh, alive. Yeah, they were like contemporaries. Yeah, basically. yeah. They were. They were actually in a club together. That, that like they were in like a magic club, basically. <laughs> with, I swear they Is were. That's true. Yeah, I forget what the club was called, but it was basically no way. That like basically really were into the occult and like magic and stuff like that, and they just got together. They oh, were all writers. Awesome. That's 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 really cool. I mean, it makes sense that they would know of each other because Bram, yeah. Bram Stoker was Irish. Yeah. And he was born, I think, like 20 years. Like, they were alive at the same mm-hmm. time. That's that's actually really interesting. Um, and and Frankenstein does the same shit, right? A, a journal, a sort of account, right? Yes. I so, never I, actually read Frankenstein. It's that really was about, good. That was early 1800s, like 1818, 1819 or something. Yeah, you're right, 1818. Yeah. It's it's really good. I, like the thing is about all these things that feel so, you know, you're just like, oh, they're the universal monsters. They're boring. Like the original Dracula and Frankenstein are scarier than like I don't know than the 1920s and 40s like depictions of them in film. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I'm saying like sticking with like writing like just scarier than like Dean Koontz. I don't know what people read. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're scarier than Tom Clancy. No hate to do, yo. I'm actually, I would actually disagree with that, Tom, Tom Clancy. Hey, terrorism is no joke. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> it's bone chilling. <laughs> By definition, it's terrifying. It's the most terrifying. It's so, yeah. So, so, so this story is basically about a uh an experiment gone wrong right some sort of yes or gone right in some ways 
a uh, successful experiment uh, that unleashed powers. Right. I love the, my favorite thing is just the throwaway explanation, the pseudoscience of like, there's a part of the brain that we don't, it's a bundle <laughs> of nerves. We don't get what they do. He's gotta be but talking about, he's gotta be talking about the pineal gland, right? If, if Lovecraft is someone to go by, yes. Or, De, or Descartes or anyone, and the, all these people were, Descartes was obsessed with the pineal gland. Everybody was, everyone, yeah, Descartes wrote about the pineal gland. Um, what did people think, what, what, what is the pine? It's just a like, I don't know what it actually does, but I know that historically people were obsessed about it as the sort of seat of the seat of the soul, and you know a lot of the discourse about the third eye. Yeah, I was going to say that's like what they call the third eye, right? That's yeah, they, that, that was the pineal it's gland. On, it's on the dollar bill, right on the pyramid. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> sir. Where we go, pineal mid. Yeah. The... <laughs> Where we go, one we go all. Do not invoke them. When we're we go one, we go pineal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. allowed. That's allowed. Right. The pineal gland, canarium or epiphysis cerebri, uh, is a small endocrine, gl endocrine gland in the brain of most vertebrates. Produces melatonin. That sounds nice and sleepy. That's the stuff that helps. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, I mean, it, on on Joe Rogan's uh, logo for his podcast. There's a freaking pineal gland right up there. The third eye, baby. Well, not even no, like no joke. I, I thought of that logo and just Joe Rogan in general. Yeah, as I the, as the well, just because like a huge part of this sounds like uh, a description of like whatever the DMT, like clockwork elf, right? E extra dimensional alien, whatever being you see, if you like do the right amount of DMT. Uh, I mean, it's all part of the same. I mean, this is this is what I would say is the inheritance of this kind of stuff. Yep. So, <clears throat> should we do we do we want to like run through the the just events, or do we just kind of want to talk in big strokes about the story? I guess. I mean, I guess we should maybe run through the events a little bit. Yeah, I think for people who haven't. Let's be. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, although to be honest, I'd like one of you guys to try giving your best because i i don't know how i would immediately short term say it's a it's it's a strange uh story to try to summarize and i felt like i missed some things how about i go i how about i try and then you and then i'll stop and then you go the rest of it paul all right so basically it starts out with with these two doctors i guess or you know one doctor one, one doctor and an associate friend Right. And they're doing an experiment on this. Uh, he he. They're talking and sort of cryptically about this experiment that this doctor wants to do on this young woman. Uh, Mary is her name originally, right? Yeah. And uh, he's it's it, it's this. You get the impression that it's a sort of some sort of brain surgery, and he's going to uh, attempt to basically like limitless her brain and like open open up her perception to see you know the universe as it truly is or whatever you know you know pierce the veil and all that yes and one of the one of the things that he says that she will see is this entity that he calls the great god pan um and uh they do the experiment and um she basically becomes a uh i don't really know what the, the proper sort of 
term is, but she becomes a, a you know brain dead. Like she's 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 alive, but you know not. She's a drooling moron. She's now. a drooling hog. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but she may or may not have reached nirvana. Right. We so we right. Yeah. And uh, so that's sort of that. That's the the first section, and then we get a section called Mr. Clark's Memoirs, who Clark was the the guy who was there to witness, but not the doctor. The doctor's name is Raymond. Right. Who and, actually, he doesn't come back into the story, right? Uh, I think at the very oh, end, yeah, Clark, the very Clark end. writes to him. Yeah. Right? I don't know if that's true. Maybe not. I could be wrong. I think that either happens or Raymond, Raymond writes to Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crossing his experiment. Right. And how like, it didn't really go the way he wished. Yeah, he actually, I think he actually says that he regretted it. I think the last, I think the very last section is Raymond writing to Clark after Clark had reached out to him. Um, so anyway, after the experiment, we get a, a, a section about sort of a little bit of Clark's background and him sort of thinking back on the experiment. And um, there's this, uh, uh, narrative, this account that he has, and this is later on in his life, um, and I forget where he gets this. It's 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 a um, a document that, and it's basically about a small town, right, where there's a girl uh, who now is named Helen, right, and she causes a bunch, all the some some strange events uh, around her in this town in rural uh england or you know whatever wales we presume and mm -hmm. um uh you know including like the disappearance and slash death of another child uh friend of hers um and i, I think also at first like you're it's it's you're supposed to be like what you know you assume partially i guess that like it's born out of his initial experience with Raymond, but like, I think the, the Machin is like wanting you to be like, why is he now, is right. this guy just some weird, like dilettante kind of uh, seeker of just to call experiences? I, I, I feel like Clark is kind of a bit of Machin self-insert, like a, a touch. Yes. Um. But yeah, you're supposed to be like, why is he, why is he now obsessed with, following the exploits of this of helen of right helen. yeah and it, it, everything is initially seems un, unconnected right because um, it's 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 what is the name of his notebook it's called like uh evidence for the existence of the devil or something like that um, uh yeah his uh i thought that was the i thought that was the doctor's book not clark's i think that's clark memoirs to prove the existence of the devil yeah 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 um and so so we go through the story of this young girl in, the, in this town who's connected to all these strange events. Um, and then we sort of jump to uh, another, um, another character, another two characters, mm -hmm. uh, Villiers and um, Herbert. Yeah. And is, it, is it Villiers? It could be. <laughs> yeah. I, I would really Probably. Villiers. Villiers. Villiers of Wadham. Yes. And, um, <laughs> And so this is a, these are completely new characters and we've sort of jumped to London, I believe. Yeah, and yeah. Um, essentially he uh, uh, runs into this 
these are old friends who run into each other on the street, right? Or wait, hold on. Yeah. yeah. No, he sees. He like sees the, the chapter starts is like Herbert, basically like call. I think he calls out to Villiers and was like, "Hey, I think I know you." Yeah. Yeah. No, no, he's begging. Right, because he's homeless now, basically. He's he's like a homeless skeleton man, and no, Villiers no, is like a man I'm about. I'm looking town. at it right now. The first line of the third section is Herbert. Good guy. Oh, you're right. Never mind. Right. Yeah. Villiers calls out to Herbert. Right. So 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 Villiers and Herbert have known each other in the past, and uh, uh, Villiers sees Herbert in the street, or Herbert uh, is is sort of a homeless, sort of disheveled, and yeah. Herbert tells him, you know, sort of Villiers wants to know kind of what happened. And um, basically, Herbert tells him, "Look, man, I got married to this uh, woman, and um, he sort of implies that like she was not even a woman, and she ruined my life, and she's evil, and she took all my stuff and money, and I am whatever. Uh, I'm now homeless, <laughs> and her name, it turns out, is Helen Vaughn, is the name yeah. of the woman that he married. So we have a, a, a now know the whereabouts of the young girl." in the village from um, Clark's uh, manuscript. And so then we follow Villiers uh, for a little while and he ultimately winds up, I forget how he... Uh, he's like a social, he's just like a socialite. So I think- he's, Yeah, like he's just like a socialite and he, he, I don't know if he already knew Clark or if they got hooked up I somehow. Think he, I think he already did. I think the introduction back to Clark is he's like, I think I'm gonna go talk to my friend who's like really level-headed. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I can confide in these weird things in him because he will give me like a very stoic reaction to what I'm thinking. Right, right. Basically well, like, I need someone to tell me that I'm like going crazy or just like someone that can ground me and that ends up being Clark. Yes. Which is kind of like a cool twist because you're like, how is Villiers related in this story besides meeting Herbert and he ends up knowing Clark as well. Right. So yeah. Villiers brings this story to Clark and- um, <laughs> And Clark's like, oh, sick. I, whoa, that's so crazy. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so Clark now having followed Mary, Mary to through uh, becoming Helen and then uh, this the this this story yeah he's like oh he's like damn that's wild okay damn that's crazy <laughs> he's like, damn, that's crazy but he's like are you sure that what you're thinking is accurate and he's basically like a like a extreme extreme skeptic that doesn't believe in ghosts and he's like yeah but the, the door could have been cracked open by wind and you know like that kind yes. of yes exactly like yeah <laughs> but but the problem is Clark is 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 just also just ducking and weaving and trying not right. to confront that, you know, the that thing he was even partially involved with is now at his doorstep. Well, so, so, so at first Clark doesn't make the connection. He's just like, this guy is coming to me with the story of his homeless friend with his crazy wife. But then they find a sketch that the, that, that Herbert had made of the woman that he was married to and Clark right. recognizes it as, yeah. as Helen and is like, holy shit, this is nuts. Yeah, like, well, probably something more like "Good Lord." Good, yeah. Oh, good God! Oh God! Good oh. God, my good man, you're you're white as a sheet. <laughs> That's one thing I want to mention too: is the whole the whole novel is written <laughs> such like a uptight English man. You can't help but like read it in that accent. Yeah, <laughs> I think girls. that's true though, Paul. Because like, 
also it's it's definitely of its time in the sense that like you're you're supposed to be taking class very seriously oh absolutely yeah. well i actually listened to uh they they have recordings of Machen on youtube oh really yeah you know, really really old i mean he died in 1947 so yeah, yeah. sure yeah he speaks exactly like that <laughs> <laughs> oh good lord oh good lord i was never dream of it <laughs> yeah so then so then villiers goes to another uh character austin who is one of his other other associates one of his other friends um and uh austin tells him another strange story right about someone named mrs beaumont why does he go to austin though is he like his other bro like, i think it's just i believe it's just someone he knows and it, i think austin is just sort of introduced they're walking together down a street and they're just talking right um, and they're in like Kensington Gardens or some shit. Yeah, like Piccadilly. Piccadilly Square. Yes, and he's like, hey, "What is this lovely and jovial and cheery house?" Yes, and he's like, "Mrs. Beaumont lives there." Mrs. Beaumont. And I'm sure all of us were like, "I know who the fuck lives there." Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so right. So obviously, there's 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 not a connection made yet, but um, as seasoned genre readers now, exactly. We were exactly. like, that's fucking Helen's house for exactly. sure. So any anyway, uh it turns out so that that um Mrs. Beaumont has been sort of hosting um various people at her home and uh uh they though that there's been uh have those those people her husband died, right? Her husband has Austin tells that's him that's hen that's hen that's uh what's his name? Herbert. Herbert. Yeah. He's the homeless guy who eventually is found hung. Right. And um so Well the, no, the person that died was like there was a there was a whole uh like scandal in the section in their neighborhood because there was a stranger's body that was found. That's right. With right. A, with a face of like fright. Like and he had like like very minor wounds on his shoulders or something. And like it turns out that the uh, policeman basically discovered that he was like definitely thrown out of the house. That's but, Mer that's Merrick, right? Is that the guy who died? Yeah, yeah. He's like a nobleman. Like that's where the class stuff comes in. Is like all these men of like high breeding, right? And he uh, was the first one. So anyway, of yes. course, it turns out that Mrs. Beaumont is the same woman that that uh, she's changed her name. She was she was Helen. And she was married to, um, uh, I have forgotten his name already, holy crap. Yeah, Herbert. And um, and yeah, Paul, do you wanna pick it up from there? I think I'm up to the suicides section. Okay. Well, yeah, this whole section with, with Villiers, it felt really like, um, like detective-y, like he suddenly becomes the detective of the story and is like mm -hmm. thrust into this event that's happening in his life and he's just, he suddenly just becomes like invested and he starts to well i think like the first uh suicide that happens is like a well-known aristocrat with like everyone loves him and he um lord argentine yeah they describe him as just like a really charismatic guy i think he was 30 like like a young guy 
and he's just discovered dead in his room in the morning by like a butler or something and it turns out that he basically sat on his bed and tied something around his neck and like strangled himself by just like leaning forward yeah and yeah, i mean it's some david carradine shit <laughs> yeah but i would actually argue even worse because at least david carradine was trying to have some fun <laughs> <laughs> You don't know what the ecstasy of looking into the face of the great god Pan feels like, dude. <laughs> it's beyond cooming. Uh, <laughs> but I think the the next, you know, few pages of this chapter are just like more aristocrats, more people of like this wealthy status, yep. and they're all men. They all um, there's like five or six of them that basically commit suicide in the same way. I think there's one that commits suicide a different way. But, and all after visiting the Mrs. Beaumont, right? But no, yeah, but no one knows that yet. I right. forget, I forget how Villiers discovers that. Um, I actually know. I think in the next chapter it explains that one of the people that commits suicide, he also knew, and he's talking, he saw leaving. Yeah, and he was talking to. I think uh, he wasn't talking to what's the guy? What's the other Austin? He was talking to Austin. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm pretty sure I saw him at two in the morning. And Crashaw. Yeah. <laughs> and he realizes then that he saw him leaving Beaumont's house. And that's right. where he puts the um, pieces together. But uh, so after he discovers that, um, he talks to, I think, Austin. And he basically says that I'm like, I'm going to go to Beaumont's house. Yep. Yeah. And Austin's just like, fuck this. What are you talking about? I'm never I think it's Austin. It might be uh Clark. I can't remember. But he's basically he's just like, no fucking way I'm doing that. Like you can go ahead with your plan. I believe it's Austin because he's like, I'm getting Clark. This dude yeah. this dude knew something about this scenario. So me and him and you, if you're down, we're gonna break into her house. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know? And we're gonna get her to be like your you're uh, a monster. Yeah. I feel. I, I feel like. And then it just. It will. It just. It just cuts off there. <laughs> well, it just cuts yeah, off there. Lost. You know, it's like we're gonna do it, and then it just hard cut to like news clippings and maybe like coroner's reports about some yeah. other victims, but like, and then the last description, like the kind of the money shot, which I think is part of what got this particular story uh banned and and whatnot because at the time it would be scandalous right but like this kind of like poly like weird protean polymorphic like androgyne kind of being yes that, that helen ends up becoming under the like scalpel of the coroner yes because they, they obviously succeeded in convincing her if you want to say that like to to strangle itself yeah right and while she's strangling herself it cuts back to the beginning chapter where like i think it's described in the beginning chapter where the person who enters the god pan like transforms between like a man and a woman and like a different being and that's what happens to helen when she strangles herself like, right she's like morphing in and out of uh, like a man's figure and her face just like turns disgusting. Well, I immediately thought of another thing 
for this thing, which I, I, I feel like, once again, just it's all part and parcel. Well, first of all, I was going to say, like, you've got Poe, uh, like, 30 years before, like, essentially inventing detective mystery stories mm-hmm. as, a, as a genre as well. So I think you're getting a little bit of that and, like, the kind of sleuthing that's going on now. And then I was thinking – I couldn't help but think of uh, uh, Altered States mm. at the end of this where, like, you know, the man essentially through ayahuasca trips and <laughs> uh, isolation chamber meditation, like, becomes a primordial amoeba, like, goes through the different uh, stages of life. Uh, yes, from like human to like yeah you know all the way down to like the primordial soup sludge creature. Well, so that's what it should felt maybe like. we should just read this section. Do uh, it. So this is this is uh, the, so this this is in the in the in the story. This is presented as a fragment from the sort of papers of a doctor who died, um, and then this this was this this description was found amongst his things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's sort of describing, and then we, we learn this is the doctor who, uh, you know, saw um, Helen's body when she died, uh, after she had died. And so this is, this is the description. Uh, I knew that the body may be separated into its elements by external agencies, but I should have refused to believe what I saw. For here there was some internal force of which I knew nothing that caused dissolution and change. Here too was all the work by which man has been made repeated before my eyes. I saw the form waver from sex to sex, dividing itself from itself, and then again reunited. I saw the body descend to the beasts whence it ascended, and that which was on the heights go down to the depths, even to the abyss of all being. The principle of life which makes organism always remain while the outward form changed. The light within the room had turned to blackness, not the darkness of night in which objects are seen dimly, for I could clear, clearly see and without difficulty, but it was the negation of light. Objects were presented to my eyes, if I may say so, without any medium, in such manner that if there had been a prism in the room, I should have seen no colors represented in it. I watched, and at last I saw nothing but a substance as jelly. Then the ladder was ascended again. For one instant, I saw a form shaped in dimness before me, which I will not further describe. But the symbol of this form may have been in ancient sculptures and in paintings which survived beneath the lava, too foul to be spoken of, as a horrible and unspeakable shape, neither man nor beast, was changed into human form, there finally came death. I who saw all this, not without great horror and loathing of soul, here write my name, declaring all that I have said in this paper to be true. Robert Matheson, medical doctor. (laughs) It's a super cool, it's a really cool description. It's, it's, It's fascinating. Yeah, it was awesome. And uh, I, again, uh, the one other thing that I was thinking of is, uh, I, I believe it's ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny. Mm. Do you remember that like phrase? And I believe that's, uh, I believe it's um, fuck, Ernst Heichel? Ernst Heichel? I'm not familiar. I, I think it's some biological theory from like the 1820s, which I've I, at, like, Machen, who seems to be a pretty like cur- curious and interested individual who loved to like read esoteric texts and like keep abreast of shit, like would have known. Yeah, it's like the em- embryological parallelism or <laughs> something like that. Yeah, but the the whole notion is essentially that like even as embryos develop, uh, the the sort of like 
progression of the development is one that you take the form of your prior uh, evolutionary forms each with each stage of development. I like, see. You never lose the past. Like the pat, you 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 exist in some form of it as you ascend the ladder, as they say. I wouldn't be surprised if Machen like knew that kind of theory, but I also, for my research, discovered that like Machen was kind of he wasn't exactly a science denier, but he like really was was much more into like ancient history and ancient like well, I can't even think of the word, but like ancient theories about creation and kind of discounted what science was doing at the time as just like putting a cap on things that humanity doesn't necessarily understand he thought it was like a limiting belief science was overall he was not a materialist right yeah well and i think what's interesting which, which which fits with that description paul of him being a sort of interested in these ancient theories is that and this this recurs a number of times through both of these stories is like he was clearly interested in platonism and neoplatonism and like some of this language even in that description i just read where they're talking about ascending the ladder of being and seeing seeing the seeing the forms which is right. capitalized in the text um that's all very like classically platonic where you ascend the sort of ladder from the lowest to the purity of the form itself all the way at the top and he was he was you know he was interested in alchemy, mm. uh, which is uh, something, you know, I, I'm not super well versed in alchemy and I know it's taken on a bajillion forms and schools over, over the time. Um, but like, again, it's, it's, it's this note, it, it's, it's this like sort of ancient notion before there was uh, the kind of hyper-materialist, I fucking love science version. Uh, <laughs> of like trying to advance humankind into a, a sort of apotheosis or godlike figures uh through understanding and control of like the environment i think that like i don't know exactly know what the philosopher's stone is or why it's called a stone but what what is that i think it's, it's a rock i think it's a rock it's a rock right that you touch <laughs> and then you're a genius the, <laughs> right the first harry potter book yeah dude <laughs> I'm pretty sure I learned about it from Harry Potter. That's not even a joke. I feel like I actually because that's the first book, right? Uh, it's, I think it's called the Sorcerer's Stone. Well, that's the Americanized yeah. version. That's the Americanized version. Yeah. Dude. Oh, is, oh, was it different? In, I don't know. Yeah, in England, yeah. it's published as the Philosopher's Stone. Oh, yeah. okay. They're like Americans are too stupid to know what a philosopher is. They're that's, correct. That, that is exactly the marketing as like yeah. They're correct. Um, <laughs> So do, do, do you guys want to talk about these separately or like, do you want to just kind of run through what happens in the white people and talk about them as a whole, jumping back and forth? Or do you want to like focus well, on- Let's do a two-parter. Cause I, I feel like in, cool. it, it's they better to, to like- other, They relate to each other in, in a lot of ways. I, I feel so it may be good to do two at once and then go back. I, I feel like there's more to unpack in this one that also does relate to the white people also yeah so, I, I do want to get back to so so wait so what are you guys saying should we just should we keep talking great god pan baby okay got it yeah, okay. yeah yeah yeah. i mean i think we we kind of skimmed over in our summary how like really <laughs> scary and horrific a, yes. like a lot of the moments were like well I, I don't i don't know what happened to helen and i don't know what that little there's like a satyr kind of 
Mr. Thomas Tumnus figure yeah. running around, but like I don't know if that's necessarily what that was. And I, I just I don't know if I know. Uh, for okay, first of all, is there like a life according to Garp? I am Sam thing where like someone fucks this mentally enfeebled woman Mary, and gives and and then she gives birth to the physical instantiation well, of creative chaos like what the fuck my my interpretation so okay so right so <laughs> we glossed over was that helen is mary's child yeah so, yeah. so mary, the experiment died like a day or two later right after, but after she gave she birth to she gave birth to a daughter which i believe is supposed to be uh clark's i'm thinking it's clark's daughter See, I okay, that's interesting because my interpretation or Clark or Raymond, the guy that actually did the experiment. Oh, I'm sorry, Raymond, Raymond. Yeah. See, my interpretation was that she had been basically Rosemary's babied by Pan. Yeah, that's right. Like, oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And that Helen right. was essentially the the spawn of a human woman and this demonic god. Demon spawn. Yeah, yeah. I, you're right. You're right. I, I retract what I said. One thing that was interesting too about the beginning with Mary is that like uh, the doctor was it Raymond? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think she was like nineteen. Yeah, she was. And young. He, he was so willing to like be a part of this experiment. He like kissed her on the lips, and and she's just like, okay, this is my time. Yeah. That was fucking weird. That was disturbing, and and it was disturbing in how glossed over it was too. Yeah, it was like I mean, he's just like I saved her as a child. And she owes me her life. Yeah, you think that he like experimented on other girls too before that, and like oh yes, and like Clark, <laughs> Clark was called in because he was like this is definitely the one. Yep, it's gonna happen. Oh this yeah, this man has been plucking from poor, desperate people and children for a while. Yeah, I guess that has not changed either. Yeah, he was like he was like if. If Mangala and Jeffrey Epstein were <laughs> one person, <laughs> and Bill Gates, and Bill Gates. <laughs> so, do, do you think the the little drawing portrait that uh, that Clark saw was of Mary or was of Helen? Uh, Helen. Helen. It was a, okay, but he he but he he was convinced that it was the girl in the experiment, though. So it makes me think that Helen basically looked like Mary. Either Helen looked like, oh yeah, that's true. Mm. Well, which would make sense because it was her daughter, but. Yeah. And also that's the face he's more familiar with. Right. Because he never yeah. actually met Helen in the flesh. But right. I, I love that moment too, because he like, he like almost died. Like it, it, he, he, he faints and like turns white and drops the paper. And I think the paper flips over and it just says like Helen on it. Um. Yeah. But that was a great moment, and that happened after the moment where the the initial victim of Helen goes to the coroner, and the coroner's like, "I have no no idea how he died, but his face looked like he died of fucking being scared to death." And he's like, "See ya." <laughs> I, I, I love that moment. He's like, "My, I don't have a really a scientific explanation, but his face was like fucking crazy, and I think he died because he saw the devil." Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i love that guy i like coroners in general in stories <laughs> <laughs> they are the best they do serve a sort of 
expositionary role. You can always time. give them like a like a funny characterization. They can always be just a little bit humorous. Or... Yes. Right. Like this would make any sense to me. If I had to venture a guess, I would say probably the claws of some monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it reminded me of true detective like there's a coroner that initially looks at all like the, the sculptures in true detective and right. he's looking at the body of and he's just he's just like i don't know this shit's fucked up uh <laughs> i got more important things to do see ya bye <laughs> what is like what is helen's deal though does anyone have a theory because like that was the one part of the story where i was like i i get that Machin is like a lot of the time purposely glossing over or just even making up stuff so that you fill in the blanks. But like, yeah. why is she feeding on people? Is she like literally like a flasher, but for her primordial form where she like shows herself as the great God pans progeny and people are so ecstatically disturbed that they kill themselves. Well, and why, why is it also just like aristocratic men that she, ends up showing the god's pan too <laughs> god's pan. my pan is but Here's it's my... like well i mean i think what i mean I think, it's interesting. I think it's interesting because sort of um you know there are a few moments of like class awareness in the text obviously when when uh mary is chosen or or saved it's it's implied that she's like sort of a, of a lower class and blah blah blah, and then the same thing they 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 talk about Helen, or uh, who they know at this point is Miss Beaumont, dude. <laughs> um, and this is uh, this is Villiers, uh, I think, talking to or Villiers talking to um, Villiers uh, Austin, and he's talking about Beaumont, and uh, he says. Austin says, "You must have you must have been in strange places, Villiers." This is when Villiers is talking about all of his like seedy London underground friends who he's going to ask for information on on right. uh, uh, Beaumont. He says, "Yes, I have been in very strange places. It would it would have been useless, you know, to go to Ashley Street, which is where Beaumont lives, and ask Beaumont to kindly give me a short sketch of her previous history. No, assuming as I had to assume that her record was not the cleanest." It would be pretty certain that some that at some previous time she must have moved in circles not quite so refined as her present ones. This is the line that I was like, God, that's this is the most British thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it, if you see mud on top of a stream, you may be sure that it was once at the bottom. <laughs> Where it belongs. Where dude. it belongs, naturally. <laughs> yeah. But it, ultimately it's her class. Uh, you know her 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 need to be in a fucking upper class situation that gets right. her gets her pinched, bro. Yeah, true. Yeah, because like, what are all these what are all these jolly gentlemen of high breeding uh, doing, like making weird like makeshift nooses for themselves on their like beautiful bedposts? Right. So it seems like <laughs> it seems uh, like she seduces them or or gets them to come to the house. For whatever you know, it's I guess it's it was suggested she was throwing parties or something, and yeah, yeah I mean I don't know if it's if she's yeah like preying on them like you said Matt or or just sort of doing it, um, or it could be like less malicious than that. It could be that like word gets around to these guys that like there's some fucking weird shit at this house. You should go check it out. Right? Are you <laughs> and, are you bored and rich? Like and, there's something and, different. Yeah, now. yeah, exactly. You gotta, you gotta meet this bitch. Yeah. 
and there's she's like and she's like okay you want the you want the full monty here's the full monty and they just <laughs> die of fear <laughs> yeah it's like it's it's just like i sent you dick pics like send me nudes and then she full-on drives them literally insane yes by, <laughs> by showing them the fundamentals of creation yeah. <laughs> i'm just thinking just like she speaks to them in some some like insane cosmic tongue and just like hold on, hold on, stay back. Yeah. <laughs> while, while just like flashing them hold on, hold on. <laughs> well, that would rock one um, thing that's so awesome though is that like it happens to them and they don't they don't die right away the first right. victim dies like right away and he gets thrown out of the house well even that's but not clear it's not clear no but he is found like outside of their house right uh, but the rest of the victims just like they lose themselves they go back to their house and they kill themselves that yeah. happens like in their bedroom which is an odd fact but like and then I tell what uh, the other one of the other things that's interesting is that later in one of the other fragments, just thinking about like what Helen's deal is, is that it's implied that she, as a child, also married another demon god, or or gave a sacrifice to another demon god. So so this on this last, Matt, yeah. on the physical copy, it's on fifty two to fifty three. Okay. Um, this is about the town where where Helen. Uh, was was a child and she took that girl into the woods and the girl disappeared rachel yeah um and they're talking about this uh white pillar that that, that can be found in the woods uh outside the town and so it, it says um I, you know uh this is I, I guess this is clark uh writing about his yeah this is clark writing to raymond and he says, after I'd seen, he's talking about a museum in this town. After I'd seen uh, most of the sculptured stones, coffins, rings, coins, and fragments of tessellated pavement, which the place contains, I was shown a small square pillar of white stone, which had been recently discovered in the wood of which I have been speaking. And as I found on inquiry in the open space where the Roman road broadens out, on one side of the pillar was an inscription of which I took note. Some of the letters have been defaced, but I do not think there can be any doubt as to those which I supply. The inscription, inscription is as follows, and then it's some text in Latin, and it says, it's translated as, to the great god Nodens, the god of the great deep or abyss, Flavius Senilis has erected this pillar on account of the marriage which he saw beneath the shade. The custodian of the museum informed me that the local antiquaries were much puzzled, not by the inscription or by any difficulty in translating it, but as to the circumstances or right to which allusion is made. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like it's 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 an old Roman inscription, so it's obviously the timing, the timeline would be wouldn't be correct in terms of Helen's age. But like time, who knows what's happening with time and all of this anyway? True. Um, and, but there's also just the. I mean, we didn't touch upon this, and it happens in the white people as well. But like the 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 echoing of ritual and rite. Yeah. In particular because of the history in, in the UK of just like Roman occupation, but like just as like an easy and prime example of a prior glorious civilization that collapsed and whose remnants you live amongst, like being the, 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 the best way to like sort of make that idea clear, which is, right. you know, that none of this really dies. Right. Um, and I, I think there's uh, maybe maybe this is just perverse, but like I think 
this is something that like the audience of the late 1900s or 19th century would uh infer which is just all the like sexual innuendo of like oh, yeah. erect, erected white pillars and fucking yes mar- marriage rights and this and this kind of shit where it's like a young girl essentially being impre- like yep fucking uh, a goat man <laughs> yeah i mean i and and so like i i, I think th- th- there were just so many creepy lines and good moments in this story i found it to be very unsettling in some ways and at so- certain moments i mean and just the writing was excellent i mean there was this was one of my favorite lines this is towards the beginning this is where clark is recalling the conversation that he had with his friend about the manuscript describing rachel rachel and helen's story mm-hmm. in the town he says clark closed the book with a snap and turned his chair towards the fire when his friend sat one evening in that very chair and told his story clark had interrupted him at a point a little subsequent to this had cut short his words in a paroxysm of horror my god he exclaimed think think what you're saying it is too incredible too monstrous such things can never be in this quiet world where men and women live and die and <laughs> struggle and conquer or maybe fail and fall down under sorrow and grieve and suffer strange fortunes for many a year. But not this, Phillips. No such thing as this. There must be some explanation, some way out of the terror. Why, man, if such a case were possible, our earth would be a nightmare. <laughs> right. The implication being that it is it all is, the time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. And I think also that's a, where... Machen, I think, is very intentionally using, like, specifically, like, that time period's really, like, tense class issues mm-hmm. uh, and societal structure as a way of, like, making it feel even worse. And, and I imagine the, the feeling of someone in an, like, upper, upper crust aristocratic position in, like, London at the time would be, like, I do not need reminders that there's right. just chaos. there's just literal chaos and arbitrariness underneath this entire this, orifice. Th- this system that we've just fucking impressed upon it. And like I, I like I, I mean, and that's something that we we that is feels deeply evergreen. Yes. That I that idea, because it never stops being true. Because at a, at some base level, what what adult Helen is doing as Mrs. Beaumont is she's just she's just a a poor girl who got her god, god, uh, god glow up and is now uh, <laughs> serially killing rich men. Yeah. And what's so bad about that? I'm not even mad about it. <laughs> I think it's an interesting way to eat the rich. To eat the read. rich. I think Show the rich that you're demon spawn and kill <laughs> them by fright. It's an, it's an interesting, I think it's like the correct way to read the text, but just, I think it's just because I read about Machen after I read it he like after the criticisms of this book came out and it was like being anti-Christian and anti um, just religious in general he basically said that like no that's not what I was trying to write about like I'm actually I don't think he identified as being a Christian but he was very in tune with like you know ancient religious texts and kind of believed in that kind of mysticism to a, a high level i actually think that the circumstances of like the rich being killed by helen and we read mary's death as being like you know the rich scientist destroying uh the life of a of a younger lower class individual i think it's actually circumstantial i think he just kind of like 
wrote about what he knew mm -hmm. and kind of wasn't thinking about like the aristocrat the aristoc the aristocratic men should be punished i i really i really don't think he was thinking that i think he was much more into the mysticism of the idea yeah. of uh just a magical being that understood the universe and i don't know i think if, well, I, if I if i hadn't researched him afterwards more i wouldn't think that and i think it's the correct way to read the text i think it's more interesting to read it that way but i'm not necessarily convinced that he uh was writing with that intent right and it's not like i mean i think you're right in the sense that it's not as if the any of the aristocrats are like characterized as like bad people or like you know uh you know yeah, like lord, lord the only one that gets talked about really in any detail is lord argentine and he sounds fucking awesome like i would love to chill with that guy he seems like yeah. an absolute dad <laughs> yeah. yeah right i don't i don't think I, I i agree with you paul i i don't think in particular there's any sort of like way to do like a contemporary like there's no like woke sort of rich white men die kind of thing yeah but, but I think I, there there is the intention of like a female vessel for the the like creative energies of like the chaos of the natural world, which we yeah, yeah. don't understand. Like Mother Nature, I think he was probably really into the idea of just myth and Mother Nature, and like it, it makes sense to me that the the character that would be destroying other people would be a woman. And you know what's interesting is that Pan is like i believe at least depicted often as male uh even though he is supposed to be like the one of the oldest conf not confirmed maybe but like t maybe one of the oldest known gods or things that people worship mm -hmm. um i don't know there's a lot of <laughs> the other person that I, I keep thinking of is just like alan moore uh who i also know is all over this general territory well they they there was a there's a footnote i forget if it was referenced i think it's referenced in the great god pan I, I, but it could be the white people where there's a reference to the um the uh the jack the ripper i think uh, case white chapel murders yeah white chapel murders right yeah which that's what from hell is about right and yeah. um and it, from hell goes into all of the like nutty conspiracy weird theories about it um and there was a footnote about that so yeah just bringing up alan moore that made me think of that and also i i think just as a funny it's, aside i don't think Machen liked lovecraft you don't think no I, i'm pretty no, sure he was like lovecraft is an atheist and Machen, i believe you're right paul he was like uh some anglo christian yeah like hardliner who was like and and lovecraft was an atheist and he was just like no bueno. You're, you're trash. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think Machen would maybe like Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Come on, bro. I'm not even kidding. Oh. No. 12 rules to scare your reader. Let me, let, let, me, let me phrase it this way. I think Jordan Peterson might like Machen. 12 spooks for life. Yeah. <laughs> well, that I would believe maybe, I guess. Should we talk about the white people? Yeah. Do you mind? I'm going to... Um, Let's take a little break. I'm gonna. I, I think my car. I hear a like a car alarm, and I don't think it's my car, but I want to go check.
All right, so the white people, uh, a, a, white deep, people. a deeply horrifying topic. White yeah. people. Um, yeah. Um, uh, I think this one I feel like is actually both simpler and more difficult to summarize plot-wise. Um, I, I was thinking of things like the Vavitch when I was reading, uh, reading yeah, this. Yeah, so it's basically... I was thinking of like Children of the Corn. Yes, all of that. Definitely. Teletubbies. <laughs> Dude, yeah, fucking bananas and pajamas, bananas all that pajamas. shit. Yeah, rainbow bright. So ba- yes. basically, basically, it's a, it's it starts out as this sort of strange, like Socratic dialogue on the nature of sin between uh, Ambrose and Cotgrave, these two characters. And there's initially a third character who leaves very early on and doesn't even get a name. I don't think. You know what it felt like was that the initial setup was that it was a basically a dinner for schmucks. Yes. Where like yes. it's like invite the weirdest fucking dude you can to yes. some social gathering That's and we'll weird. all like laugh. Yeah. So this and then everyone was like boo, and then this right. one guy was like, wait a minute. This guy's a genius. I think that's exactly what it is. So <laughs> it's this, this character Ambrose is this weirdo who has all these weird views about sin and evil and um, whatever. And so they 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 open with this, like I said, this sort of Socratic dialogue about the nature of evil and the nature of sin and the nature of sainthood. And um, so Cotgrave is like, okay, so like, what is what is actual evil? Like, what's what is actual evil in the world? Give me an example. And Ambrose is like, here, take this book and read it and bring it back to me. It's this, it's this, and he gives him this weird document that he found. I forget how he came to to have it. it but it's part, you know, one of his his uh, collection of strange uh, occult items that Ambrose has. And he gives it to Cotgrave and it's this book. And he says cryptically that there's a sequel, but he doesn't want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, I like which that. Which is I very like creepy. Lot. I hated that. <laughs> I <gave> it, yeah. <laughs> and then anyway, so the, the rest of the story basically is the contents of the book that he gets. And it is this... Well, he... he sorry, I just want to interject yeah. that. The way he finds it is so cool because I, I think it's like he's he's looking through an old bureau and there's like only clothes in there. And in like the third drawer, it's like the only book and it's like hidden under these like old dirty clothes. Right. But go, yeah. I just thought that was that stood out to me. It was oh yeah, that's right. I found this book, and yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Um, but anyway, it, it's basically this sort of stream of consciousness narrative of this young girl, sort of having like recalling interactions that she had with her, um, you know, like she calls her a nurse in the story, but basically a, a nanny, um, yeah, yeah. and. And all of these, like, so, and the nanny is this sort of, like, weird figure who seems to be, have some history with occult stuff. And it's stories that the nanny tells her, experiences she has with the nanny, and then experiences that she has on her own, just sort of out exploring the the, the wild, the wild land. And um, that's basically the story. It's a collection of those experiences put into this, uh, into this book that that he's reading, I and and I think like I, the immediate reaction is it's a dis, it's just a story about a young girl becoming a witch. Yeah, like in the in the like yes, in the deeper I think scarier sense of it. Like and 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 in its like more felt reality uh, at the time. 
but that feels a bit reductive too like it's something like i don't know man like she (laughs) she's like a fucking wizard or something by the end of that and and like the nurse is like this weird person that's like quietly uh, like or bringing her into the tradition yeah it's just like here are the mysteries like here here are the secret languages and all this kind of shit and she knows that she's gonna set this per this like young person off to do this stuff on her own and she just she ghosts at some point when it's like the critical moment right to let she she let she lets her she lets the bird fly yeah if you love something this this was one of the I was deeply affected reading this. I'm gonna be honest. Like I I found this to be like beautifully written and very disturbing and like just captures some parts of like childhood really well. And yeah, like, man. There's a there's and 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 the nature writing in it is beautiful. There's so many weird, cool things about this story. I, I loved it. I and, love. I think. I mean. I, I love the white people probably more than the gods pan, but I, I love both of them. But this like it had drawbacks to other books we read. Like when it's starting to when it gets into like the descriptions of the young girl, the future witch wizard, it reminded me of the mountain lion a lot. Just like mm-hmm. it, I, I got into like yeah. that mindset of uh just being a kid again. But the 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 first you know section I would I would basically say like one fifth of it is like um almost like a philosophy conversation between a couple people. And then the biggest yeah. section is the the young girl and her, you know, it's diary like, entry. Yeah, her diary entry, which like most of it is just like one continuous There's no paragraph breaks. Yeah, there's, there's no, no paragraph break. Breaks, and it's like ten pages straight of that. And that maybe it's even like I think that's only been like four fifths of the story, and then the last section would be the last fifth, which is the prologue, which is like also awesome. I, but I, the, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, I was just gonna say the first section reminded me of like it reminded me of Hume's Will. I was thinking of Hume's Will. Yeah, I mean, it's basically a, it's basically a platonic dialogue. Yeah. Uh, well, you're saying there's a Kantian element to it that I didn't I didn't understand what you meant exactly. Well, so um, I, it was just a few moments like that. That uh, so when when Ambrose is talking about the you know the people that we ordinarily consider evil, like murderers and you know whatever, and, and, and he says you know I think not the murderer murders not from positive qualities but from negative ones. He lacks something which non-murderers possess. Evil, of course, is wholly positive. Only it is on the wrong side, and and I think that essentially what he's talking about. So Kant's view of, of true evil, the evil will, Kant describes the, the truly evil person as someone who does evil positively, right? Someone who does evil as a sense of duty, right? The phrase he uses is like, the, like in, in order to be truly evil, you have to drag yourself out of bed in the morning and do evil against your will because it's your duty. Because right? <laughs> you, yeah. you believe it to be your duty. And, and so it's not, so what Ambrose is saying here is that evil is not, you know, murderers, there's circumstances, they always do it for a reason, they lack this, you know, they lack the inhibitions that the rest of us have and blah, 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 blah. And and I think in some ways Kant would agree that, that, that the truly evil soul is a positive thing. It does evil 
affirmatively because it feels that it is its duty to do so. So I just felt like there were some Kantian resonances. And I just like this exp uh, explanation of just most people. Uh, the merely carnal, sensual man can no more be a great sinner than he can be a great saint. Most of, our most of us are just indifferent, mixed up creatures. We muddle through the world without realizing the meaning and the inner sense of things. And consequently, our, wicked our wickedness and our goodness are alike second rate and unimportant. <laughs> Same, same, same. <laughs> brutal like it was awesome and i brutal. still think that's i don't know i don't know if like I, I don't know if it's weird to think that that's like actually i don't know that that still feels like a conversation people have like delineating definitely uh between sin i guess yep to for lack of a better word well and i think it's interesting and and and, and i i liked that he he just distinguishes later i mean maybe we shouldn't get too deep into the philosophy the actual philosophy of this but i do think it's interesting because you know he distinguishes later talking about the saints he's like you know this being saints is not like it doesn't mean you're a good person right it's not a good person in the way that we normally mean that right because you know so on the other side the good side we venerate the saints but we don't like them as we like our friends can you really persuade yourself that you would have enjoyed St. Paul's company? Yeah. <laughs> you think that you and I would have got on with Sir Galahad? I love that. That was so funny. And it's true. It is true. Yeah. I mean, I think his overall point, I think he makes, he makes too, is that like, it's easier to become a saint than it is to become truly evil. Yes. Yeah. Which is... Because, because his whole thing is that sainthood is trying to reclaim something and and evil is trying to go beyond to something new basically and he and he talks about the like the fall of lucifer mm -hmm. and how it becomes like a, a new idea a new expression against what has already been made and how yes. to really truly be evil you have to like do something like out of the box that has been established in heaven or something like that which is why which is you know at first i was kind of struggling with that introductory scene and then just the yes the unbroken stream of consciousness journal entry and i'm like oh this is because you are supposed to on some level sympathize with this girl yep. while understanding that she is uh evil <laughs> like she became evil and, and what's so affecting about it is because of how well like the nature writing and just like uh it just and, and the adults and the kind of wonderment intermingling with this absolutely sinister world. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, it's like how can you meet someone who's like, who loves the freaking hills and the forest and the flowers so much? Like, she's just like, she's like a little girl basically saying, like, oh, and I would wander into the woods and it was so magical and beautiful. Like, how are you? How does this person end up becoming so evil when like you can relate to that feeling and right. sometimes even be like jaded towards that feeling as an adult too? So it's like, yeah, she'd be like enchanted by the beauty of the nymphs and, right. and these kind of things. And it's like using that in order to create somebody who is in fact going to be committing like vile sin and evil what in a way she, that's what sympathizing. She, what does she do really that's actually so bad? Well, this is where I think the sequel thing you mentioned is important. Oh, true. And I, and I think it's supposed to be something you, I think that's a question you're supposed to end up having. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't get 
even this is only half the story of her corruption the extent but clearly the cotgrave or whatever uh crenshaw whatever his name, <laughs> i already forgot his name it's uh cotgrave, it's cotgrave yeah crankshaft uh, <laughs> <Frank> Akers, <laughs> uh is like that's why i think he's he's having such a vehement impassioned sort of monologue there at the beginning yes. it's because he has read the sequel right and he understands where it ends up right but we are supposed to be confused and that's what i really like about the two stories you read and mocking in general is that he's very willing to just be like, I'm not fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm holding my cards close to the chest. I'm just making things up and just sort of dropping little lore hints. It's the dark souls books. It is. It, it is. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to say that because I don't like dark souls. No, I do, I do, but I don't, I don't like the dark soulsification of everything, but, <laughs> um, but I get where you're coming from. Like there's so it's, it's very like fragmentary and like, you get the sense that he's like that in his own mind and i'm gonna read more from this from this collection for sure there's like a universe that's interconnected right there's like a there's like a, a mock-in cinematic universe and well can i the, the thing what was uh so some of the uh rituals yeah. uh some of which he made up and alludes to in the white people are things that uh lovecraft will straight up just steal whole cloth for for his stories is that really true and and lovecraft is definitely credited with doing a kind of extended universe right oh absolutely and he just folds in mocking stuff i think was doing that with just a little bit less like specificity but there are like but there are like there are named like demons and like named characters and languages and like religions and stuff and like i just want I started reading this and I was just already so creeped out like from the very beginning when when she's talking about this is like fr- right from the beginning of the diary uh hold on dead air sorry 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 <laughs> I wanted a book like this so I took it to write in it is full of secrets I have a great many other books of secrets I have written hidden in a safe place and I'm going to write here many of the old secrets and some new ones, but there are some I shall not put down at all. I must not write down the real names of the days and months, which I found out a year ago, nor the, the Akalo letters or the Chian language or the great beautiful circles, nor the Mao games, nor the chief songs. I may, I was like, no, I hate it. I don't want to know. Yeah. No way. What are you saying? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know. I feel like I'm cursed just because I read that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was awesome. And so, like, just to start out on such, like, a lore-building, sort of deep, like, there's so much background information, and she's talking about all these other books of secrets, and the, and that the months have real secret names that we don't know about. I'm like, I hate it, I hate it. <laughs> That's the worst. The real names of the months is the No, word. I don't want to know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody tell me. No, it's fucking August. Shut up. <laughs> Please don't tell me. And he yeah. and he writes like um a big part of this section too, or this this diary, these diary entries, is recounting he basically writes original, like original uh uh 
what's the term I'm looking for? Like like parables, like original fables. There's like three or yeah. four of them in this section. And He's credited with creating some, one of his short stories, he was like doing a literary version of like War of the Worlds with Orson Welles, where like, I think he wrote something about Welsh, some place in very specific part of Wales. And then like, that was taken to be real. And now there is genuinely a, like the Jersey Devil or something. There's like a genuinely folkloric entity in Wales that like he's credited with kind of in sort of just infecting people's minds with existing. I think sort I read like that. Slenderman. Like, yeah. <laughs> I said sort of like Slenderman. Oh yeah. You know, I think I did read creepy pasta is like not is not far from like this tradition either. I think that's a really interesting connection because I that I was definitely feeling that on some of this stuff. I was like, especially because I do think I read that Matt, what you said, either in the introduction or or elsewhere, that there was a story that he wrote, the Angel like, of Nos or something. And people refused to believe that it was fiction. Yeah, they, they they were like, no, this must be real. Yeah, I think that if Machen like he was really fascinated by English folklore and like the influence of the Roman empire being, you know, taken out of, of England or falling in England. I think that if he, if he grew up in California, he would be writing about native American folklore and Bigfoot. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean by like, this is, I would totally want to read, but this is, (laughs) that would be sick. And like, I, I I always loved the idea of the Nephilim, the giants that used to live in America, like the, uh, supposedly and all this kind of stuff like I mean this is applicable everywhere because there's always some prior group of people that you don't know about that lived there that had some potentially secret knowledge that no one else is privy to and all this kind of stuff like yeah I literally wrote in the margins because uh, because a big chunk of that section is 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 these fairy tales or parables like there's the one about the hunter there's the one about the girl the poor girl who gets the emerald earrings made out of grass and the that gave me chills like i i'm not gonna read like i could read the whole thing but like that story i was like oh, oh what, and what she, about the fucking clay figure in the beauty and there's the one about the clay figure and all the suitors the like all of the that one. i literally i wrote like these are just extra grimm's fairy tales like <laughs> these are just these are just grim, like super grim fairy tales. this is grim bro <laughs> With three M's instead of two. Grim. M- m- uh, yeah. I hated that clay figure story. The clay figure story was really scary. And that's the only one where she ended up doing what was Suspected. initially related as a fairy tale. Right. So the nurse tells her this story about this this, this this witch and who all these suitors are trying to marry and her and her other witch friend make clay figures of all of them and it's basically sort of like a voodoo doll thing like they kill the clay figure and then that person dies that way the next day but then also they create the perfect man this is a sex doll parable also that they create the perfect man out of one of the other clay figures that is but that that's a creep that's like a creature that they imagine and hallucinate and it's conjured it's like a conjured up being for like five minutes and she kisses him and then he goes right yeah so weird and the dick game is so strong that she's willing to just <laughs> murder everyone else yeah imagine, <laughs> imagine, getting, imagine getting cocked by someone with a clay dick <laughs> it's a golem i mean it, it, it is it is a golem. yeah yeah 
so this one like you said is, is richer in the sense that like it it uh there's a lot more trickling in yeah and there's a lot more things alluded to and referenced uh well at the same time it's highly inconclusive right i i do like the whole move of and this is why it still relates to like creepy pasta and like anecdotal you know the the these things that take on the form of incidental stumbled upon genuine earnest documents by people who are yeah. experiencing them to like lend it with the sense of reality. This is like what like the Blair Witch project also. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I definitely get that kind of vibe for sure. And you can just see it constantly being attempted no matter what the new like media record is. Uh, so letters were a big one in journals for a while, but it's not something people really do as much anymore so it's like reddit posts and shit and you see people trying to translate that still into horror well i think that's why i have to give mac and credit for being like really a pioneer in this kind of realm of genre you know i can't i mean i don't i didn't know of him before you suggested the book but can you i don't know if anyone did what he did before him I think, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. No, I was just going to say, I, I don't think, like I've read some Lovecraft and I didn't really like it, honestly. I don't think his writing is that great. Not like this. Not even close. Um, so it's kind of like a, like a Tesla and the guy who invented electricity. Edison Nikolai? Edison, yeah. It's kind of like that kind of story is like I would I would give more credit to Nikolai, right? Apparently. Yeah, that's not actually that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah, uh, like who who people in the know attribute more uh, like kudos to versus who historically is getting more kudos. <laughs> well, it's, interesting. Yeah. it's interesting because there was this this was a sort of a boom in England at the at the time there were. A, a bunch of people that sort of organically started doing this type of writing around the same time. Like there was Machen, there was uh, M.R. James, Algernon Blackwood, like mm -hmm. all sort of doing this this vein of writing at the time. Um, and, and I would also clump uh, Bram Stoker into that just because I know that they were in like a club together. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, totally. Yeah um so it's, it's it's interesting to think about why and i'm sure people have done historical work on this like why this genre took off at that time when it like in england in that way um it's just a, it i think it's just one of these again a word that i don't even know necessarily what it means but inflection points <laughs> yeah. uh where you just have a lot of force cultural forces and and societal forces like shifting at once and people being made uncomfortable and voicing their fears i mean this is what's so good about horror in general right is like it's just all these manifestations of like fear yep uh i mean i, I would also say that the, the god pan was published in, in 1894 i think is that right i don't and know. i think i think that um the Jack the Ripper murders were 1899, and I could kind of see some parallel between, like, uh, you okay, know. Why would why would the Jack the Ripper murders be after the Great God Pan when he 
references them. Is well, I mean, before. Let me look it up. I mean, I, know, I think they were over a course of like a number of years. This is also interesting because Alan Moore, another thing that Machen is is uh, credited with starting is the notion of psychogeography. Mm. And like, which is something that a lot of British writers afterwards in Alan Moore's general generation took up again. Like Ian Sinclair and maybe Will Self. Uh, which is just kind of like an occult version of feng shui or, or I don't know, you know, right. where like the, the, the whole idea of like ley lines and, and yes. uh, DC having hidden pentagrams in it uh, based on street structure and all this kind of stuff. Yep. Absolutely. So the road, the old Roman roads being a channel for historical energies of the past, or that's kind of redundant, but just like, you know, yeah, no, I think that's exactly the type of thing that he was doing there. And I and, and I think, you know, he's he's clearly very interested in the way, not only in the in the histories of these of these rituals and these old religions and stuff like that, but the sort of ways that they echo in the present in via objects or language or, you know, uh, uh, geo like you said, like geography. Um, it, it, it It's not just about sort of the the concepts but it's about the physical manifestations of, of these things that sort of stick around and like you know hug our current reality in ways that we don't really get right uh, just to defend oh. myself sorry um jack the ripper was 1888 not 1899 until 1891 and then the god the god pan was written in 1894 okay so that makes sense so it makes sense that you know Fresh. Especially because that was so popular, like, and so uh, spooky. Yeah, first, first real serial killer of record. Yeah, I, I could imagine that influencing the sales of the book at that time, or just mm -hmm. you know, and the scandal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just as tawdry as you would think. It's like people wanted to read about like uh, horrific androgyny, psychosexual shit, like hot off the tail of like serial murdering. It's yep. like we still love this we love it baby yeah yeah Ooh. um I have, I have a couple passages that i would that i just want to read just for their spooky and writing value if that's cool lay them on us okay so this one is um uh, it, it, during the fable of the 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 noble woman who makes the clay dolls the noble witch who makes the dolls of her suitors um this is early on in the description of her so she, she would tell the great lord, her father, that she wanted to go into the woods to gather flowers. So he let her go, and she and her maid went into the woods where nobody came, and the maid would keep watch. Then the lady would lie down under the trees and begin to sing a particular song, and she stretched out her arms, and from every part of the woods, great serpents would come, hissing and gliding in, but, and, and but among the trees, and shooting out their forked tongues as they crawled up to the lady. And they all came to her and twisted around her and around her body and her arms and her neck, till she was covered with the writhing serpents and there was only her head to be seen. And she whispered to them and she sang to them and they writhed around and around faster until she told them to go. And then, and they all went away directly back to their holes and on the lady's breast, there would be a most curious, beautiful stone shaped something like an egg and colored dark blue and yellow and red and green marked like a serpent's scales. It was called a glam stone and with it, one could do all sorts of wonderful things. And the nurse said her great grandmother has seen one with her own eyes. 
I just thought I was, I'm, I'm just, I hate it. It's so scary and so cool. And so he just is able to capture the fairy tale darkness and myth like so well. And just his parcel tongue Slytherin. Parcel tongue Slytherin. I think that uh, Matt, you like your assess your comparison to the witch is definitely like accurate. But I I do think that like after reading this, I feel like the witch could have done more because this like definitely. I was saying it's reductive. You know, like it's, it's yeah, it's like pagan and and there's just so much more going on. So yeah. Could, so could Midsummer. <laughs> I'm sorry. If if I had the uh, physical copy, <laughs> I could have read Midsummer, and I'll read it once I get it. But it's just too funny that there's literally a, a scary story called Midsummer. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Written actually, in like 18 whatever. <laughs> I literally think it, I, I and I'm not just saying this to be a dick, but because you know I didn't like the movie, but I, right. I genuinely thought the story was scarier than the movie in three pages. <laughs> I'm actually bummed, Gabe, that when I texted, oh, sweet, is there a lighthouse story? And you wrote, what? I was like, I thought that was a good joke, and you just didn't get it. <laughs> well, wait, no, I, I I, got it, but I felt like you said it in a weird way. Are we, oh, boy. Are you Never mind, we don't have to do this. <laughs> that, that was like three weeks ago. Yeah. Couldn't go back to that yeah. text. Um, and then just her, all the descriptions of her wandering through the woods, and coming into this these these weird, huge stone graveyards, and the stones are carved like people's faces and animals, and they're lying down dying, and like just her writing about how she went, and the ones that were lied down, she lied down with them, and the ones that made faces, she made faces like them, and the ones that were like animals, she like rode them or whatever, and like, it's so just it it captures childhood, but it's also deeply scary and like deeply disturbing and dream dreamlike and very weird yeah and there's I mean, also oh go ahead i was just gonna say that there's one description where she's like standing on top of i think like a big rock and she's looking out over a bunch of like little, little smaller rocks and she's talking about like like figures forming and and they all start to rotate and stuff around her right yeah and, but there it was it was like a there was a lot of description there but there was also so much left out and left to your imagination right. that that's just like the kind of shit that I love. And it, it it created this sense of world building that I thought the beginning descriptions where she was talking about like all the other languages she she read to and knows, it, it was like the same sort of deal. Like I'm giving you information, like a lot of information, but I'm not giving you the whole picture and you're not you're not gonna get it. Dark right. Song. And it's not it's it's uh <laughs> it's not just like you can point to a reference and be like he's doing wealth mythology yeah it's like he's he's talking about like seven plus layers of of echoing similar kind you know what i mean like all of a piece kind of mythological occult knowledge in one reference yes with like the fair even he references adam and eve at one yep. point in this story yeah like, I, first it was like a like a like a major twist in the story it was like was this an adam and eve story and it, it was really just kind of like a reference again i think just sort of like uh it seems like creation uh you know he's he's always like these are how things echo out are and are inscribed eternally and all this kind of stuff yep. uh 
but with things like the great god pan and then referencing adam and eve like clearly the origin point of this stuff is still is the greatest mystery of all i suppose or or you know kind of where it stops right where our human understanding stops our ability to even tell a story kind of stops which is which one is, thing i i admire him so much for like i was thinking of the movie mother by the guy i forget his name darren aronofsky darren aronofsky i hated that movie i thought it was fucking bullshit it was yeah, like it's it was too much of like a direct parallel to christianity and once you understood it it became just like nonsense and like oh i know what you're fucking doing you're an asshole aronofsky but, yeah in general shake my head smh but that <laughs> I, I <laughs> but even though i think Machen would probably read joseph campbell which which saddens me what are you saying <laughs> what just, are you even come on man what i'm saying okay let me let me let me respond is that he had the ability to you know divulge into myth but also okay. create his own aspect and create a like create a whole new world within his stories it wasn't like you could never point to a direct comparison to a, another myth you can maybe take aspects of it but you couldn't just say like oh he's doing christianity here he's doing fucking ancient he, egypt here he's doing comparative religion and, and mythology essentially like before that field of study was even a thing and i think it's because he he believes myth is something that like there, there is like i think his overall belief about maybe even the world i don't know that's a grandiose statement is that like it's it's something that we can't understand and we if we were to understand we would go crazy like in the god the great god pan we would just fucking lose our minds and i think that he, like, he thinks of myth as like an amalgam of all these things that maybe none of them are true but he he does believe in that aspect of human history and that it is like something to I don't know, be reckoned with or be thought of as an important thing. And it's also about humility, I think, in some ways, too, especially with the religious angle. Like, yeah, we can't forget that he was like deeply faith based person. Yeah. Got him. Got him. Did you get I, it? Wonder, I wonder what you're looking at. Dead. Yeah, I know. I was like, where's going? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going nuts. <laughs> I have, I have two, more, two more excerpts that I would like to read, if that's okay. Yeah, and, and see if you guys have any thoughts on them. I, I'm mainly just reading them for the the listeners to get a sense of his writing and like. Yeah, I think that's important. We should do that more. Um, I should highlight it more. So yeah. this 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 happens after the um, writer. We don't know her name. Uh, the writer of this this the, this diary um, accidentally tells her father that the nurse has had been telling her the, these creepy stories, and her father gets angry at the at the at the, at the uh, nanny. And so she says, she writes, he was very angry with nurse for telling me the story and scolded her. And after that, I promised her I would never whisper a word of what she told me. And if I did, I should be bitten by the great black snake that lived in the pool in the wood. <laughs> all alone on the hill, and all alone on the hill, I wondered what was true. I had seen something very amazing and very lovely, and I knew a story. And if I had really seen it and not made it up out of the dark and the black bow and the brighter the bright shiny thing that was mounting up to the sky from over the great round hill, but had really seen it in truth. Then there were all kinds of wonderful and lovely and terrible things to think of. So I longed and trembled and I burned and got cold. 
Slytherin. It's just like, it's so fucking good. <laughs> it's so good. Wait, is that after? Um, That's when she's like back out. She goes back to the hill the second time. Okay, so like the first time she sees the, and we haven't even talked about the white people at all. But the no, first was, time- That was the second one I was gonna read. Oh, okay. So is it like the, like the first time she sees them, I think is when she goes with her nurse and- And the nurse accidentally does a ritual. Summons them. In, in front of her as a baby. But then doesn't- They're, they're basically like nymphs, right? They're like fairies. Yeah. Like, again, like it's hard now because of like cultural dilution, but like nymphs and fairies were were- not to be like none of this stuff was to be fucked with at any point it was like you know it, again it was yeah it was it was part and parcel of like creation myths and they were the they were the forces of nature essentially well so that's why i just want to read and this is the ending basically of the story or, or of the the diary part i'm gonna be done um, i'm gonna hear you okay uh, so this is where this is she's recounting the nurse telling her about the the white and the dark nymphs Right, the light one, the dark ones, and and she says, but usually the dark appeared first and the bright ones came out afterwards and there were extraordinary tales about them. It was a day or two after I had come home from the secret place that I really knew the nymphs. Nurse had shown me how to call them and I had tried, but I did not know what she meant and so I thought it was all nonsense. But I made up my mind and I would try again. So I went to the wood where the pool was where I saw the white people and I tried again. The dark nymph Alana came and she turned the pool of water into a pool of fire. And that's the end. That just cuts off right there. I'm exactly. literally so scared. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that it has a name, and I hate that it just cuts off right there. And I don't want to read the sequel. So good with specificity, <laughs> like when necessary. Like yeah, and then vagueness completely. Like after. That's what it is. It's the juxtaposition of the specificity of giving it a name, and then the vagueness of like what is even happening. Right. Which Yumesville, I wish did. <laughs> You're well. Listen, there's no recorded. <laughs> this is. I, I think this should be a theme that we just relitigate the Oomsville discussion every every fucking episode. I kind of like. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep going back to Oomsville, and none of the listeners we have any ever will never know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> just may I venture that it was a different type of book. <laughs> But I, I will say, like this, this story was so short. It was, it was what, thirty-six pages long, something like that. And it did everything that I wish Hemsworth did in three hundred <laughs> fucking twenty pages. And I would say you're doing apples and oranges, and that's. I, 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 yeah. I, tend, I tend to agree with the apples and oranges. Hemsworth <laughs> <laughs> negative thousand. This story did everything that I wanted Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets to do. And the witch. That that's fucking for real though. That's actually true. This is yeah. this is pretty much just good Harry Potter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Someone who actually fucked with and like knew like ancient alchemical mysteries right. and like was super into mythology and like I'm just I'm just picturing if they if we rewrote the ending. The dark nymph Alana came and she said, You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> The dark, the dark nymph Voldemort. Dark nymph Hagrid. It was me the whole time. I was the bad one. Um, Voldemort is a white person. So, do we have any like final <laughs> thoughts, overarching thoughts? Um, no, 
I I would say that this this was a great it was, this was a great a, read. It was we really stayed great. pretty on topic too. I think we really like talked this one out. Yeah, I think one thing we didn't do we didn't really relate the two together at all. Well, we they're separate stories. I mean, I mean, like I said, I mean, we did talk a little bit about how he was sort of it felt like he was sort of developing a a, a universe. Um, with with re repeated you know rituals and concepts and that kind of thing. Well, and, also, the, and I mean, the link of the Roman Empire as like uh, the common touchstone. Yes. Well, I also think there's a there could be a link between him having women as the two leading beings in both stories that possess the power. True. Yeah. You know, and, and I do no. think, Paul, when you when you get your physical copy, if you read the very very short Midsummer story, it's literally a two two and a half pages. Me and Matt both sort of felt like it. It feels almost like a prequel, right? To, yeah. To uh to the white people. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's gonna come like next week. Should I mean, we what, should we do COVID? You know, Harry Potter houses. Yeah, let's do let's do Harry Potter. I was I was clear up front about. A particular young woman being in Slytherin. Yes. <laughs> you you wouldn't be talking about the one that was covered in snakes and talking to them, would you? And had an egg necklace. Nah. And had an, a snake egg <laughs> on her body. I would say that she's the most Slytherin. Like she's more Slytherin than Salazar Slytherin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. You should have founded Slytherin House. Yeah. And I, this I, is of course where where you've everybody in the white people is a Slytherin. Basically. We've of course segued into the fan favorite segment. We just did read another book. We just read another book. We just did, which is so how we earn. Us... Which is how we earn being able to talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> a page is a page. <laughs> I mean, it's hard because yeah, most people feel like maybe it's it's like it feels like it's it's basically Slytherins and 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 Gryffindors in equal measure, and that's it. Yep, in these stories. That seems about right. I think that, uh, I think I think Raymond, I think Raymond is a bad Ravenclaw cuz he's doing Oh, Raven fuck Ravenclaw. Yeah, creepy yeah, yeah. experiment. There's a lot of Ravenclaws in in a god in I think I think I think Villiers is Ravenclaw. I think yeah. Clark is Ravenclaw. No, Villiers mm. No, I think Villiers is is Gryffindor and Gryffindor. Clark. Yeah, Villiers he's brave. Well, true, he's but like, he's also very curious and and intellectual. But, but but not no, because he's not really like no, the, Clark the, is Ravenclaw. Yeah, okay, Clark is Clark more Ravenclaw. The main reason I think that uh, Villiers is is Ravenclaw is he's brave enough to be like I'm gonna go Gryffindor. To the, or yeah, Gryffindor is that he's like I'm gonna go to that bitch's house. I'm yeah. gonna stare him down. I'm gonna okay, kill what him. About, what about Helen herself? <laughs> um, uh, Helen is Slytherin. Slytherin. Yeah, I don't think that's hard. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's hard though to because she's not really even a human, <laughs> like, right? How do that's you true? How do you classify someone who's like half? Well, Voldemort was jelly, kind of a evil god. Yeah, but he was totally human. He was human. He was half Muggle, half uh, yeah. Southern. All right, all right. I still say yeah. she's what yeah, about, um... <laughs> uh, Austin. <laughs> Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. I think, he's, Hufflepuff. I think he's one Hufflepuff in the whole. Yeah, he's like yeah. he's like just Neville all the way. Don't do no, it. Don't Wait, do Neville it. was Gryffindor. Oh, Fuck. I'm but out. Never forget. Never forget. 
as we like to say on this show, Hufflepuffs can rape. Right. Can as, rape. A, as a distillation of a certain idea, Hufflepuffs yeah. can rape. And Jack the Ripper could have been Hufflepuff. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, probably was. <laughs> probably was, too. So um, what about, uh, do we want to, I can't think of any other major characters that deserve a house rating. I would, yeah. What about the, the the second victim of Helen? I would say as a Griffin, charismatic. Oh, he's a great, whatever the he's he he's a, he's a Chad. He's just a pure Chad. He's yeah, Argentine Chad. or whatever. Yeah, Lord Argentine. He was a standout character, even though he he had like no screen time. Gryffindor, Gryffindor, Gryffindor. Totally Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. Um, should we should we should we classify the author? That's that feels blasphemous. Yeah. <laughs> What? I don't know why. Good idea. Well, because I, I mean, I don't, I just don't. The book? I don't know enough about them. All right. Just if, you. but if, okay, well, you seem sad. I'm going to say Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Yeah, I would say Ravenclaw too. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say that he was Ravenclaw. Just a morose saying he's Ravenclaw. I agree. Um, should we score these? Or should yeah. we? Oh, I didn't, even, I didn't even thought about my score. It's hard. They're short stories, but but yeah, I think we can still score them. They're, or they're no short novel. stories and, and and novel. I mean, I I would say this doesn't get novella status. If I were, I don't know what how long a novella is actually. I don't know. I feel like I thought it was like nine, like ninety pages. I feel like you made that up, though. <laughs> You're totally right. <laughs> Okay, I give, okay, what about, okay, let's do Pan first. Great God Pan scores all around everybody. Around around the horn. 4.4. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go 4.2. I was gonna say 4.2 also for Pan. Fuck yeah. What about white people? I'll go first for white people. I'm gonna give white people a 4.7. Fuck, I'm gonna go 4.0. I'm gonna do 4.6. Nice. You know, I, I watched the, uh, I watched the, uh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I watched a YouTube review of a guy re- reviewing like Mockin's work and he only read A God's Pan and White People. And he, he said he didn't even finish White People. He didn't like it? He didn't like it. Well, and I was like, what the fuck? I thought, I, I thought it was amazing. He's clearly a sued. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like a, a sued I think, and I a casual. Think, I, I think these are, I think these were both fantastic deeply affecting and spooky and I, I think it's it's a miracle that they came out of that time like i mean obviously it's like i th- i think this is this is what we should be talking about when we should be talking like it, you're right matt and that lovecraft like who cares when, yeah. when this stuff is out there exactly like, did we want to do and and i think one final shout out just for the sake of anyone interested in this kind of stuff to read william sloan Oh, yes. I was going to say thank you for bringing that up because I wrote one of the first things that I wrote when I was reading Pan was I I was getting deep William Sloan vibes. And William Sloan, for people who don't know, is a relatively obscure science fiction author. I think he was an editor slash publisher for most of his career. And um, he wrote... You were getting into like the pulp pulp era of of this kind of stuff at that point, 1920s. Yep. And and he wrote these two, I would I would call those novellas or novels. They're short Definitely. novels. Yeah. Um, uh, 
Well, I, I would actually, I, I haven't read Sloan. And for all those listeners out there, Gabe and Matt have met, read probably like a thousand more books than me. So <laughs> just keep that into account. Um, but I would like to, if, I mean, I guess you both have read all of Sloan's work if there's only two things out there by him, but I, I want to read a few other shorter, short things, but these are his main, main works. And there are these two sort of, sort of, yeah, cosmic horror slash sci-fi novels that are very, very like resonant to me with, with, with Machin. Like right. they center around respectively uh, both of them, both, both of those novels, they're, they're called To Walk the Night and, um, I forget what the other one is called. I almost said Darkness on the Edge of Town. <laughs> the Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 I cannot remember what they're called right now. Uh, oh, The Edge of Running Water is the second one. So to okay, not far. The Edge of Running Water, and... They're about respectively. We we don't. We're not going to get it. I don't have to get into it. But they involve like cockamamie experiments gone wrong, and mysterious women with like wishy powers, and um, it, they're they're. So I actually got those vibes a lot, specifically from these two stories read back to back, and I I I think it's that's a really interesting connection. One connection I wanted to make too is that, like, you know, when Helen is turning into jelly, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that maybe 1958's smash hit The Blob <laughs> could have been a uh, a sequel to <laughs> The Great God Pan. The Blob is just Helen coming back for her reveal. Yeah. Yeah. Or like another version of Helen. Like she made else. a spaceship and left. Oh yeah. my god! I love that. <laughs> Uh, all horror is extended universe horror yeah. any of any kind all yeah. horror is extended mocking universe <laughs> the mocking cinematic universe began with the blob <laughs> that's right <laughs> the fog is also somehow uh, it's i know it's a stephen king but it's actually mocking well stephen king loved mocking if you read the if you read the intro i didn't so i didn't know that <laughs> so everyone owes him shit um Anything else? No, man. Not on my part. Well, good, good pick, Matt. Good, good pick. pick, Matt. This is Thanks, great. Y'all. We'll put it in the um, uh, Google Doc, and we will be back with um, some other book the next time. Yeah, fucking, you know it. <laughs> hey, it's your, it's your pick, right? I know. I, it is my pick, but I'm not going to say what I picked. Yeah, wait with bated breath, people. Y'all are going to have to wait for the next episode. So, thanks, guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Have a parasocial relationship with us. Bye.